Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to the Word. Let's go, how about, to Hebrews chapter 1. And I'm going to begin here and review just a little bit. This will be our final one here. I have way too many notes. There's no way I'm getting through all these scriptures, so you believe with me that we bring out the right ones. What we're actually going to talk about tonight is um, just go through the different uh, instances of angels, as many as we can, um, and, and just see what happened and how they ministered. Um, so angelology is what we've been talking about, which is uh, the word angel, whether taken from the Hebrew or from the Greek, uh, means messenger. The holy angels are messengers of God, while fallen angels are messengers of Satan, the god of this world. Uh, demons are nothing more than fallen angels. So, so don't think in terms of God and devil as equal opposites. They're not. Um, the devil is a created being. He's not a creator. So he is not, um, he does not have, you know, he doesn't have some force that God doesn't know about. You know, it's not like, I know sometimes people like to do this, but you cannot translate spiritual things from the Bible to Star Wars or to, um, you know, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings or um, what are the other ones? I don't know what the other ones are. So anything like that, Marvel, uh, none of the Marvel, it's not, it's not the same, you know, um, no matter, no matter what they, uh, no matter what they try and portray. Yeah, it's just not the same. The scripture is the scripture. So Hebrews chapter one, verse 13 is where we, um, our main scripture for this. And it says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And we know that he didn't do that for angels. He did do it for Jesus, and then he put us in Christ. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So we know that angels are sent forth for those who will be saved and those who are. Um, and they continue to minister to you. You don't lose ministering angels in your life after you get saved. You still need angels. And we'll prove that um, in the scriptures tonight. Um, and we talked about asking ourselves the question of why it's important to understand the subject. It is important for us to understand this subject so that we do not get deceived when spectacular manifestations happen in the church. So here's the thing that I want you to think. This is how I think, okay? I don't just think, I, I cannot just think in terms of intellect when it comes to the scriptures, okay? Intellect plays a portion of that. But I think to myself when I'm praying, when I'm studying, when I'm looking at things, why would the Lord have us teach on it? Why? Why is it important to teach on angels? We could, t- I, you know how many messages we could go through? How many doctrines and things? How many needs I see that people have that we could teach about? But why go to this? Why take the time to go to this subject? Why would the Holy Spirit lead that way? There's only one reason that I can see. More manifestations of angels. And it's needed. It's needed. Now, what I mean by that is not that there hasn't been manifestations of angels. What happens is when you read something in the Scripture, the Scripture brings light. It is what? It is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So what is it doing? It's helping us realize and recognize the ministry of angels. Now, whether you actually see them with your eyes or not, you know, I never have. I've never seen an angel. I've known when they're there. I've had words of knowledge about when they're there. Um, I'm not aware of the fact of one ever speaking to me. I have seen demons. Now, 
if I had to pick, <laughs> I would choose angel. But I haven't. What does that mean? It means nothing. It just means I haven't seen them. They're there. You know what I mean? And I know they're operating. I know they're in my life. Why? Because it's a promise from the scripture. Um, now, I do think those things will increase. Awareness of those things will increase. But for the purpose of what? For kingdom business. Not so that we can uh, just have a uh, uh, share a testimony about the fact that we saw one and everybody ooh and ah over it. That's important, but what's, what's said? It's good that you saw it. There was a reason, but why? I want to know why. I got to know why. If it's just um, so we could have goosebumps, well, I mean, I can get goosebumps from a movie. Right? That's, that's no sign of anything truly spiritual. It's just a sign of you physically, your physical being responding to something. And that can be in the soul realm or the spirit realm. So it's important that we're, we know angels so we're not deceived. It's important to understand um, because we do not want to be ignorant of a significant part of the unseen or the spiritual realm. It is important for us to understand so that we are able to help others in keeping balance biblically with angels. The most important thing about spectacular manifestations is not what we see, but rather what is being said. Does it line up with the word of God? So, so far, what we've looked at is the origin of angels, the nature of angels. Angels have personalities. Angels can learn. We do not worship angels. Angels can appear as humans. The angel of the Lord, we only touched on that briefly. We'll get into it a little more tonight. But angels are a company, not a race. In other words, they don't have little families and produce little angel babies. That's not, they're a company. Angels live in heaven. We talked about Jacob's ladder and what that meant, that it's the word of God, Christ, and then angels are activated by the word of God or the new covenant authority, which is, and they were activated under the old covenant as well by the promises of God. But that's where we left off last week. So tonight I want to wrap up by looking at a few accounts recorded in scripture concerning angel activity. I feel like it is important to mention that as believers who have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ, we can expect angels to perform these things on our behalf. So when you hear the testimony from the word, the word is not given to you just for information. Information and experience so that you have understanding about your experience. And you can judge the experience against the word. But what sometimes people do is they get so heady in their knowledge. They get, they are so in love with the knowledge of things that they, in fact, whole denominations have done this. They just rule out everything spectacular and supernatural. I don't want to live there, nor do I want to live where we don't need the word of God anymore. And you say that gets to those extremes constantly. And so we're ever fighting to stay here in the middle of the road. And so, um, when it comes to the ministry of angels, um, as we look through these many accounts in the scriptures, I sense the Holy Spirit kept impressing upon, uh, upon me to observe how angels affect or interact with the natural world we live in. It is important to see this for the purpose of our faith and realizing that they touch with the unseen what we see. Now, I'm going to say this Three different ways, okay? So listen closely. Angels touch from the unseen what we see. 
Okay, so I'm going to say it this way. Angels minister from the unseen to the seen. Okay, I'm going to say it another way. They minister from the intangible to the tangible. Okay? You realize this is who we are as believers. We believe in something unseen. I didn't say no substance. I just said unseen. While we look not at the things which are that are seen, but at the things which are right. See, we're not talking about people um, people that are atheistic or, or refuse to believe in God. Do this? Well, you just believe in a fairy tale. No, no, I believe in a real place, a real world that is not visible to your natural eyes all the time. Unless the Lord opens them. So what angels do is they minister from the intangible to the tangible. They minister from the unseen substance to the seen substance on behalf of the body of Christ. You're in covenant. You speak words. If you speak words within the covenant that God has given you from the scriptures that are the promises of God, what you do is you activate angelic activity in your life. It is important that you believe this, and we'll see why here in just a little bit uh, through these passages, because angelic activity operates by faith. Because everything we do in this life, Christian life, is supposed to be by faith. And that's how the covenant is activated. You were saved by what? Grace through what? Faith. Now, listen. That is not just go to heaven, that, state, that, that phrase. Saved by grace through faith is not just go to heaven when I die. I was saved today. What do you mean? I was born again on, in 1996, okay? But I was saved. What do you mean by that? Salvation, sozo, the salvation that takes place, it, it doesn't just happen one day. I'm being saved. The Lord's word is working for me every day. I mean, the devil could have killed me today, except for the fact that I'm in covenant. I was saved. I drove my car today. I was saved. <laughs> uh, I didn't go to any stores. I haven't worn a mask yet, but the Lord's still what? He's still saving me, right? And so salvation, it's by grace through faith. Just don't put grace in the, I got saved in one day in the sweet by and by. Listen, you'll be, there'll be a day when you're in the sweet, quote unquote, by and by. But your faith and your grace work every day. Every day. Okay? So we need to realize that because the angels are working from the intangible to the what? To the tangible. From the unseen substance to the seen substance. Okay? Now watch this. Genesis chapter 24. Let's, let's get into the first one, shall we? So th there's not really a... I'm going to go through some Old Testament and some New Testament at the end. And I don't know that I have... Uh, some of them are kind of grouped. But mostly, I just want you to get the reference and then look at them and study them for yourself. But I want you to 
to see this. Genesis chapter 24, verse number 7. Here's an activity, a ministration, the ministry of angels. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I will give this land. Watch this. He will what? Send his angel what? Where? Before you. And you shall take a wife for my son from there. What is the angel doing? He's going before. You want your angel in front of you. (laughs) Right? Preparing. So what do we see here? Angels go before us to prepare the way. This reminds me of Psalms 91.11. He gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I know, that blessed me too. And I, Holy Spirit said, that's, he brought that scripture back to my, my remembrance. I went, oh. He said, yeah. All my ways have what? Have angelic activity in them. All your ways have angelic activity in them. Every day. You need them. You need them for you. You need them for your kids. You need them for your spouse. You need them for your parents, your grandkids. I mean, you need angels. And they're what? They're working right now. Right now. It's unseen, but they're affecting the scene. And I'm, I'm convinced that the majority of what they do, we don't even know. I mean, we're going to get to heaven, and my angel's going to be like, man, I'm glad he's here now. <laughs> you know, but some people, I think, you know, they haven't been speaking the word, whatever, but, uh, uh, and declaring the promises of God, their angels are sitting around going, what are we going to do? You know, maybe we need a transfer or something. <laughs> All right, let's go to Genesis, uh, same, same chapter 24. Go down to verse 40. Verse 40 says this, But he said to me, The Lord before, before whom I walk will send his angel with you and what? Prosper your way. In other words, back to Psalms 91.11, he gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all your... And what is one of the things that he's going to do, the angels? They're going to prosper your way. Prosper your way. Angels, and again, this is where I could tie, I could tie this a little bit into what Brother Hagin said about ministering spirits going forth and bringing in prosperity. Now, when people think prosperity, you cannot just think in terms of uh, like uh, dollar bills. Prosperity comes in many ways. You know, um, you can own a vehicle and have it paid for. That's prosperity. You can own a house and have it paid for. That's prosperity. Why? Because there's a level of there's a level of finance in that thing. It's worth something. Okay. Does that make sense? And so you you have to think that way. It increases not just uh, I have ten million dollars in the bank. Okay, increase can be a lot of things. It, it can be, um, you know, uh, increase can come in many ways and forms. Um, and you need to look at it that way, not just in terms of uh, gold pieces or silver pieces, even though that could be a part of it. Okay, so Exodus chapter 23. So from Genesis to Exodus there, 23, verse number 20. 
This is another passage about the angel going before. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you, watch this, to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. So angels do have a level of direction for us. Um, I know under the new covenant, and we do, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. But angels play a role in direction as well. And we'll get into that, and I'll show you a, a, a New Testament uh, passage, a couple of them, on that. I remember uh, sitting in, in one of Brother Hagin's classes, and he was talking about angels and uh, angelic activity, and he was in a meeting years and years ago. And part, part of some of the things that he saw was because he stood in the office of a prophet. So he experienced certain things that... Um, not everybody will. Um, it's available to everybody, but just as the Lord wills, of course. But um, he was he was talking about he was in this meeting, and in this meeting it was a uh, it was in the I think the fifties maybe. Um, but they were praying and things like that, and he looked up from prayer, and there's this giant angel standing in front of him, and then right next to him is Jesus. So you got Jesus, and you got an angel standing there. That'd be an experience, wouldn't it? Don't think you'd forget that. But anyway. Um, Brother Higgins said every time he looked at that angel, that angel would start to talk, and then he'd look away and look at Jesus, and that angel would be quiet, and then Jesus would start talking to him. And then finally, at the end, of when Jesus, the Lord, had finished telling him what he was going to tell him uh, concerning some ministry things and stuff like that, the, uh, the Lord said, he said to, Brother Higgins said to the Lord, what's that angel here for? He said, that's your angel. And he goes, my angel. And the Lord quoted a scripture to him about his angel uh, and the angel, each person's angel being before the Lord's face. And uh, he said, he has a message for you. And, and Brother Hagin looked at the Lord and said, why does he have to tell me the message? I have the Holy Spirit in me. You know, he said that. And then uh, Jesus uh, shared a couple of scriptures with him and uh, basically rebuked him. And, um, and he said, you know, sometimes we think we're so scriptural and we're just ignorant. <laughs> And so, um, which how many have found that to be true? I've found that to be true many times in my life. But um, he said, as soon as he said, okay, he turned and looked to the angel. The angel then delivered a message to him. There were some gentlemen at this time, his ministry was really starting to grow, and they wanted to do his tapes and give him offices and all this stuff. And the angel said, don't follow any of it. They, they want to take over your ministry, and they want to take and use everything for themselves. And so he didn't follow any of it, and the Lord spared him from all that trouble. And these were, these were wealthy men that came in, and it could have looked like an answer to prayer. They were going to pay for the offices. They were going to pay for all the furniture. They were going to pay for the secretaries. They were going to record all the tapes and produce the books, publish the books for him. You know, if you're not careful, you could miss it. And it could look like something, oh, that's good. This is it. Well, maybe not. And so that's why you got to be led. But anyway, so the angels do. They prepare. They lead. They guide. They prepare. Uh, they have that place in our lives as far as the ministry goes. Skip down to verse 23 there. Same Exodus 23, 23. Uh, it says this. The Lord says, For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I will cut them off. Angels also... Keep, protect, they lead, they guide, and they give us victory over uh, the enemy in situations. They give us victory. Let's go to Exodus 32, 34. Exodus 32, 34. 
Exodus chapter 32, verse number 34 says this. Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall what? Go before you. Okay. Now go over to uh, Exodus uh, 33, verse 2. So you were in 30, chapter 32. Go to 33, verse 2. And it says this. And I will send my angel before you, and I will what? Drive out. Drive out. That's pretty cool, huh? He'll drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. That's a lot of ites, and they're all gone. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Angels, so what do we see here? Angels, again, keep us in all our ways. They drive out our enemies. When I read this verse, it reminded me of the passage in James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know what's interesting about that? Because I was reading that and I was thinking about it. And I've quoted that scripture a lot. And that scripture works for me. Okay? But in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, they got to flee from me. And it was like the Lord said, well, they're really fleeing from me, Sean. <laughs> in other words, what did we look at last week? The angels hearken to what? The word of God. The, the power that you and I possess, it is ours in the sense that we're in covenant but it's not ours in the sense of origination. I did not originate that power. And what the Lord showed me was, as he said, when you yield to my covenant, angels drive out enemies. This would make sense for me where, I, where Brother Hagin talked about that demons, that word flee means to run as in terror. You know, I'm, you or I are not that impressive physically. And really, if it boiled down to it, if we didn't have the Lord on our side and we went to just wrestle with the devil, yeah, I mean, we, he, the, the devil, he has some power, okay? And he is fallen angel, but he's, he's still in that realm, you know what I mean? If we didn't have Christ, we're toast. If we didn't have a covenant with God, we'd be toast. And so I saw that. What is the devil afraid of? The covenant. He's afraid of the Lord. Now, this is the great thing about this. You know what's great about this? It frees you even more from trying to have to do it yourself or come up with the power yourself. You don't have to. It's not your power. So when we enact the covenant, we speak in faith, in submission to the Lord and to his word, what takes place? The angels hear that, they respond to it, and they go to work. You can rest because you don't, I know we have the weapons of our warfare. I understand the armor and I agree with all that. But that's not, he's not saying that um, in ultimately what takes place is inside that covenant which God established and put together everything for us, including paying the price for us to get back into, he also supplies all the strength, all the power, all the anointing, all the grace, all everything. He is the supplier of it. You say, what do we supply? The will to get in line with his. That's basically what we supply. Because even our meat suit, as the mirror Bible puts it, our bodies, he made. 
didn't even have anything to do with making this thing. He did. And then he gave it to me. For what purpose? So I can give it back. And so angels, what do they do? They drive out the enemy. So as we submit to God and resist the devil, he flees from us because of angel angelic activity. So the enemy is driven out. I see the same thought in Psalms 35.1. Same thought. Now listen closely. Tie this in with James 4. Tie this in with um, Exodus 33.2, okay? Psalm 35.1. Plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Verse 2. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Verse 3. Also draw out spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Verse 4. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back. And brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Watch verse 5. Let them be alike, let them be like chaff before the wind, and the angel of the Lord chase them. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will. Why? Because the angel of the Lord gives chase. Now look at verse 6. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord, what? Pursue them. And, and in other words, what are angels doing? They're actively driving out the enemy. Now this can get bigger and bigger the more the, the activity of angels can get larger and larger and, the, and their effectiveness get larger the more the church as a whole operates in the covenant that's been given to them. Because corporate faith is stronger than individual faith. Amen. Sometimes people think, oh, I don't know. You know, I got pretty strong faith. Yeah, so did Joshua and Caleb. And they had to wait for their whole generation to die before they could go into the promised land. Why? Because they were in fear. But now you can remain in faith, but it still affects the group. If the bulk of the group... You see that? All right. I don't want to be a gener- I don't want my kids to go, man, I hope my dad dies one of these days so I can go into the promised land. <laughs> I don't want that said of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, Exodus chapter, uh, let's skip this one. Um, nope, let's not skip it. I want, to, I want to go over this. Exodus chapter 3. Sorry, we've got to go backwards now. Exodus chapter 3. This is, this is another manifestation. This is actually the angel of the Lord, but I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a what? In a flame of what? How did he appear? In a flame of fire. That's weird. That's change in shape. You know what I mean? Appeared to him in a flame of fire. Watch this now. From the midst of a bush. Now remember, the unseen affects the... But this is what I find interesting about this. It's a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not... 
Now, that doesn't make sense. We could do a test today. I have one tree over here. I, we could get some gasoline and light the tree on fire. Do you think the tree would be consumed? So, in the neighbor's house, yeah, the neighbor's yard, everything else. But what is the point here? The unseen and God's world can come into ours and have an, it can appear a certain way but not have the same effect as what we know as fire here. It's a different effect. Why even bother putting this in the scripture? Why not just say the Lord appeared to Moses? But he doesn't. He gives the detail around what took place. The detail is important. What are we seeing here? Well, if the fire of God won't consume a bush and God can speak through it, the glory of the Lord can be there. It can be holy ground. The fire of God could get on your physical and not hurt you. (laughs) It could get on your being and you could be burning but not consumed. The angel is interacting... The angel of the Lord is interacting with the bush. But it is not doing to the bush what normal fire would do to the bush. This is that interaction that I was talking about at the beginning of the message. This is a sign and a what? Wonder. It makes you wonder. So Moses turns aside and he sees him. And you can read through the rest. I'm not going to go through that right now. Let's go over to Numbers chapter 22. This is another one. I, when I was reading through this, I'm going, Lord. And he said, it's what it says. Just go through it. I didn't even read commentary on some of these things because it's like they come up with the craziest ideas about some of the things that it should be or shouldn't be. Numbers chapter 22, verse number 22. This is about Balaam. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, talking about Balaam, going to curse the children of Israel. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. How many know you don't want that? Okay. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing. What did the donkey see? The animal saw the angel of the Lord. (laughs) I mean, if, you know, what what is the angel interacting with? The donkey. The donkey had more spiritual sense than Balaam. (laughs) But listen, think about this. Where did Jesus put demons into pigs? Right? Okay. Now, I'm not saying you should put demons in your neighbor's animal, okay? So... In case your mind's going that way. Now, you may think demons are in your neighbor's animal. I don't know. You could go cast them out. (laughs) They're in cats, yeah. I hear that a lot. But then I know people that love cats, so they think it's chickens. So, which that may be true too. I don't know. Now, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. In other words, Balaam's beating the donkey. 
Verse 24, the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on the side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw that the angel of the Lord uh, saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again, I guess. Verse 26, then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. In other words, what is God doing? He's saving Balaam's life. And the donkey sees it, but Balaam doesn't. Okay? <clears throat> then it goes on to say this. It says, uh, verse 27, And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. I guess that's what you do. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. I mean, that would... The crazy thing to me is, is Balaam is talking to the donkey. I mean, had they had conversations before? How out of this guy's... How out of, out of his mind is he? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it was Mr. Ed. This is where Mr. Ed came from. So, and it says, and Balaam said to the, uh, or the, the donkey said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me. <laughs> I wish there was a sword in my hand for I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey? <laughs> On which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day. This donkey's got a good memory. <laughs> Don't you remember all our rides together? Balaam, was I ever disposed to do this to you? <laughs> and Balaam said, no. The donkey's winning the argument. <laughs> then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. He should have opened his brain. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with the sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. <laughs> I just, that's hilarious to me. But what do we see here? We see that angels can interact with what? Animals. Now, I'm not creating like some sort of doctrine here. This is not something that we can, quote unquote, we can believe in it and allow the Lord to do the work that he does. Okay, but I'm, I'm not saying you should begin an angel and animal ministry, okay? You say, do you have to say that today? Yes, we do. We have to say that. All right, let's go to Second uh, Kings chapter 6. And then I'm going to go to the New Testament. We'll just wrap it up with two more. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel. This is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Testimonies. Uh, and he consulted with his servant, saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. So the, the king of Syria is having meetings with his soldiers and, and his leaders. And they're saying, we're going to camp in this place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, because Syria was attacking Israel. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, be, beware that you do not pass to this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Now, this is, this is the prophet saying this. Okay. Verse 10, then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. So in other words, this happened over and over again. Verse 11, therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, I guess. 
And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of you, which of us is the, uh, which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he thought his guys were betraying him. Because they're having this secretive meeting, and then Israel knows where they're going to be all the time, so they never go where they're plotting to attack them. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Talk about high-level surveillance. On a level, I mean, we don't even have this good of ability. But God, with the prophetic and the, and the Holy Spirit, we can know things that should just blow away the un, unsaved world's minds. Amen? So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him, uh, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. Can you think? Think now. This prophet has been telling all the things that he's, he's telling in his secret chambers. And he says, go sneak up on him. He's not getting it. He hasn't got it yet. Yeah. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. <laughs> Why come by night? He knows where you're going to be. The Lord's telling, you know, I guess it just didn't go all the way to the top the first time. All right. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? I love this answer. So he answered, do not fear. What's the first thing you should do? Don't fear. But we're surrounded. Don't fear. Watch what he says now. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So what do we see here? We see Elisha is not looking at the situation from the natural. The first thing that tells me this is that Elisha is not afraid. Because if you're looking at the natural, then what are you? You're afraid. You have fear in you. The second reason I know Elisha is not looking at this from the natural is because he declares there are more with them than, than he, he or, or than with the armies of Syria. There's more with us. How many of the servants doing this? One, two. We're surrounded. The city is surrounded. One, two. It's a wonder they thought prophets were crazy in the Old Testament. But, but, what, but what needs to happen? We don't need to correct the prophet. What do we need to do? Verse 17, Elisha prayed and, and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of what? Horses and of... Of What? You know, if you drove by a horse pasture and they were on fire, would that concern you? But in the spirit, nope. Why? Horses and chariots. Now, the interesting thing here is angels actually are not mentioned. But who do you think are manning the horses and the chariots? Angels. There's more with us. Come on, think about it. 
when dealing with sickness and disease and dealing with the things that the enemy tries to attack us with, and it looks like we're surrounded, there's more with us. Come on, think now with me, okay? Your battle is not with flesh and blood. If the enemy has been able to convince you that your enemy is natural, you have missed the Holy Spirit. Because your enemy is not with flesh and blood. Your battle is not with a physical thing. It's spiritual. I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, CNN, NBC, ABC, Fox. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the thing is. I don't care if it's COVID-19. It has a spiritual... Behind the curtain is the answer. Behind the curtain is the answer. All right, let's go to one New Testament example because I comment way too long on these things. Let's go to Acts. Man, if you want to read some good ones sometime, go through and read about where Joseph was led in dream after dream after dream by angels concerning the birth of Jesus, marrying uh, uh, Mary, and, and doing all of that. I mean, it's just awesome how God, how God led them. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 12, I believe. Yes, I'm going to do this, and then we'll end here. This will cover a couple of things. Acts 12, verse 1 says, Now about the time, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. How many know there have always been governments that harass the church? Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. How many know governments will kill for no good reason? Okay. And because, why? Because there is something behind the scenes working. It's called the spirit of Antichrist. People, you know, we, we got to be careful that we don't get too worked up over the natural and that we see the spiritual, okay? Because we got to function in the natural, but we have to function in the natural from a heavenly mindset. Because if the enemy can get you to fight with flesh, your spiritual battle, you're going to lose every time. Why? Because we don't, keep, we, don't, we don't fight in the realm of reason and natural. We fight in the realm of faith and spirit. Okay? We've got to remember this. All right. So verse, verse uh, 3. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So they were constantly praying. Verse 6, and when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound between, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Do you think he's locked down? Yeah. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. In the midst of two guards with two chains and two at the gate, an angel shows up in the night and lights the place up, and they aren't even aware of it. And neither is Peter. Yeah, it just is like, Peter, what are you doing, man? That your, your salvation has come. <laughs> and so he says, a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side to raise him up. In other words, he went, get up. And he hit him, saying, arise quickly, and his chains, what? 
They don't need a handcuff key. They're functioning in the seen from the unseen, and they can function on a level and affect the scene that we have really no idea about. But we can believe for it. And then he says this in verse uh, uh, 8. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that it was done by the angel, but that was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. It's a great vision. When they were past the first and the second, what? Then they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which what? Open to them of its own accord. It has a, uh, a motion sensor on it. No, what are the angels? They just... Out of the way. <laughs> That's powerful. This is what angels can do for us. Don't just think in terms of a gate. Think in terms of what they can do in affecting the natural world that's around you. What they can affect, how they can interact and interrupt the spirit of death that is in the natural to cause life to triumph. Verse 11, and when Peter had come to him, he, himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jews. Skip down to verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king, king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately the angel of the Lord struck him. What did he do? Because he did not give glory to God. And he was what? Eaten by worms. Don't let that angel touch you or me. In other words, what happened? The angel of the Lord in judgment from the unseen touched. Yeah, not, I'm not the angel of the Lord. <laughs> touched a person and what took place? Death activated through that person. And with it, they say within five days he was dead. Eaten by what? Oh, what a great way to die. What is the point? <laughs> the point is what? Angels can what? Affect and do affect from the unseen to the seen. And should we expect it? Yes. yes. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truths. Lord, we thank you that your word is life and health to us. That your word brings faith. It gives us light and understanding. Lord, we expect... And we believe that your angels are operating in line with the covenant concerning our lives individually and corporately as a church. We thank you, Lord, that you are working through your angel army, your hosts, to affect and advance your kingdom in our lives individually and corporately and in this city. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless you guys. Sunday we'll see ya. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. 
If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 